Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And today's topic is steps to trustworthy AI. So we are all trying to jump on this AI bandwagon. We want to use it in our lives and how we do business. And we also subconsciously or implicitly want the AI systems that we end up using to be fair, to be safe, open, and useful for anyone, including us or anyone else who's using it. But the question is, how are we ensuring that it is going to be that fair or safe or open and truly useful? What are the policymakers, commercial organizations, that is businesses and academia teaming up so that this whole process of how we get the data, how we process it, how we draw inferences, all of that is always transparent. What are the learning models that we are adopting? Are they without any bias? And what are we doing eventually with all these combined to deliver a trustworthy AI? So to discuss this, we have Dr. Mark Nasila, Chief Analytics Officer with FNB. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hi, how are you? Uh, Thank you very much for having me and to the listeners for joining us. Thank you so much again. So, uh, Mark, let's start with the first question. That AI, we all want to use it, but we also want to trust it. In order for us to trust, what are the aspects of AI which we somehow uh, want to see before we will say, yes, I trust AI and the outcomes it may produce for us? So a lot of organizations are investing a lot of money in AI because uh, AI is becoming, you know, a household uh, technology for driving efficiencies or even meeting the the digital expectation of uh, various strategies. But there have been, you know, a lot of issues around the ethics, um, humanity, as well as whether these systems will have different outcomes. And because of that, a lot of organizations have been urged to put together frameworks that measure trustworthiness of these systems. And some of these include, for example, putting together uh, um, systems that are fair. And by fairness, I'm talking about systems that are free of bias. So we've heard of a lot of uh, AI systems, for example, the famous uh, uh, case of the Boeing 737, which had uh, a faulty issue with an AI system that was meant uh, to help it uh, navigate in the air at a lesser cost. And uh, there's lots of other cases, uh, including uh, recruitment uh, systems that have bias against a particular set of people. And because of that, the first attribute is that uh, a strategy has to incorporate assessment of fairness so that um, you don't come up with a system that discriminates um, uh, against certain sets of communities. The second one, which I would like to talk about, is it has to be transparent and explainable. And this is not just about algorithms and attributes. The transparency begins on why you're embarking on an AI strategy or is the use case even uh, relevant for AI. And consultation has to be very rigorous, including either customers, um, uh, different stakeholders like shareholders, executive um, people in an organization, to making sure that the use case is one that requires um, uh, an AI solution. Uh, then we go to algorithms, data that is being used. It has to be transparent. It has to be open for scrutiny, even during development, not just after development. Then a lot of AI systems before used to come as um, uh, you know black boxes. As part of uh, being explainable, it has to be open. The algorithms that are being used have to be published. 
they have to be peer reviewed uh, the nature of the data the type of data that goes into these algorithms it is important because um, the subjects or the customers have to know why what type of data is being used and what type of decisions come out so that um, if there are issues we know how to deal with these issues then the third attribute is about responsibility and accountability. And this is not just at an algorithm level, but this is from the time you begin the strategy. There has to be accountability on why you're embarking on a strategy. In this case, uh, I gave you an example of a 737 um, It was a very good strategy to use AI, but I think there was an element of rushing it. And rushing such a strategy can result to cascading um, uh, poor decisions to the future, which leads to biases or a system malfunctioning. Um, and this is making sure in the whole value chain, whether the, you have who's, who's responsible for building the algorithm, who's responsible for managing the data, who's responsible for implementing these systems, who's responsible for executing the function. Because uh, biases or system failures uh, can come from anywhere in the value chain and all of them have similar implications uh, including for example who's responsible for moving data from one system to the other um, at the end of the day when you look at the value chain of ai it's a series of human decisions or human in, uh, failures that are actually transferred to these machines and to some extent we need to even think of for example Uh, having legal implications for incompetencies that lead to, to AI, AI failures. Then the fourth one, which is key, is it must be robust and adaptable to changing conditions. We all know the, perfect, the past is not a perfect reflection of the future. Uh, the world we live in today, uh, information keeps changing. Uh, Just like that Boeing 737, uh, maybe there was not robust testing to understand whether the plane could be adaptable under different conditions. And in these instances, there has to be rigorous testing, and this has to be part of governance. But testing in this case has to go uh, beyond just assessing the system and whether it performs well. It has to go to a level where you do test what, how you're applying your, your, your AI system or your data capability towards the customers. I think a, a big example will be the, 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 the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica case where customers felt their privacy was actually interfered with. In fact, to some extent, humanity. In this case, uh, Cambridge Analytica, Analytica did not really need to go Uh, a whole world into production with taking data and running algorithms. They should have assessed with the customers, a small sample of customers, how they felt about what they were trying to do with their data to understand the, the reliability. And that's one way of mitigating the risks uh, of a problem once it's at a very big, big, big scale. Then we, there is an element of an AI system being respectful. At the end of the day, when you invest in an in, in AI strategy, you are responsible for the outcomes and the implications of what these systems have on humanity. We do not want to develop systems that are threatening being human. Uh, you know, when you look at the Cambridge Analytica, the way uh, what customers felt so bad about was they felt their right to vote freely was being influenced. Uh, or for example, sometimes a lot of companies uh, use algorithms to predict the gender of a baby. There was a case in America where um, uh, the daughter of one of the customers was actually uh, pregnant, but because the father's phone was linked to the profile of the company, based on the purchases, they predicted that the daughter was pregnant. And the father, that's how the father found out. Sometimes there's certain cultural or ethical issues which go beyond the science. And 
uh, in some communities like in, in, you know, in Africa and Asia, things like being pregnant is secret and even the gender of the baby, people want to keep it private. So as much as you're accurate and correct statistically, uh, it might go beyond privacy and cultural aspects. And then the last one is it must be safe and secure. Um, a lot of AI, actually all AI systems make use of data to make decisions or to um, drive different um, uh, outcomes. And the data that is being used must not change. So there must be clear governance of information. And some of the data might be sensitive, you know, data that represents people's lives, what happens to them. So if through your AI system, there's a data breach, you're actually opening up to a, to a, you know, to, to, to a different problem. But also if a system is interfered with externally, it might result to, uh, you know, big failures or even endanger lives. So think of, for example, if you have a Tesla car, or, or, or a self-driving car and the data that is being transmitted or the systems can easily be interfered with, the data changes. And when the data changes, the outcomes also change. And um, I think those six attributes contribute towards driving a framework for any organization to making sure that whatever they're doing with AI is safe and does not interfere with humanity. Thanks. No, that's a pretty thorough response. Now, the point is that we have a lot of times when people are starting to use AI and you give the specific attributes, right? But then we have issues at the very beginning, the data that you're even collecting from people and how you're going to use it. The customers sometimes don't even know or it is put in fine print. So they are not even aware that this data is being collected from them and uh, it's being used for certain purposes which you don't know about. And then subsequently, if a person says, I don't want you to collect data from me, there is either a no mechanism or a very roundabout ways to even opt out. So how does a user who is, of course, a beneficiary of the outcome, or in many cases, somebody else is a beneficiary of an outcome, get a chance to do an explicit opt-in or opt-out. So, but, but before we get into it, let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, um... Mark, you you did mention a lot about, you know, what is required from AI for it to be trustworthy. But frankly, sometimes it is the people, the humans who end up making decisions or setting up ways or policies or approaches where they collect the data without consent or they make it so tough to opt out so that they can keep filling the hoppers with data and then the way they are using the data or the intent for which they even ask someone to opt in, they start going beyond that intended use. And and the user either is unaware of it or they are unable to opt out of it. How do we prevent this? Because this is almost exploiting the naivety of a user. Yes, and uh, this is a very big problem. In fact, even before the, the, the journey of AI started being mature, in the traditional machine learning and data analytics, it was a big problem, you know, uh, because companies wanted to use data to sell products to the customers. And they collected a lot of data which could help them get more insights into what the customers want. And because of that, we've seen a lot of regulations come in place. 
in making sure we protect customer data, protecting what you do with the data, also making sure that the customer is part of what you want to do with the data. So we've got, for example, in South Africa, the Popeye legislation. In Europe, you've got the GDPR. And there's some similar uh, regulatory uh, requirements in America that companies must disclose the type of data they're collecting to the customer. They must also explain to the customer what they want to do with the data. But I think it goes beyond that because uh, we've also seen, even though we have these uh, regulatory requirements, there have been loopholes or failures that have resulted to the misuse of um, information. And in this case, I think organizations also have to be held liable of providing literacy to customers. First of all, the customer is the owner of the data. Without that customer or without that individual, they cannot generate the data. So customers have a very big right on the data they generate. But they also have to know their rights around data. And sometimes um, we don't want to be in a situation where uh, it's a silence or fine print which the customer does not access. For example, in marketing, um, the process of marketing is very fast that the customer might not be aware of the fine detail that protects them around what their data is going to be used for. And there's certain key elements around the use of data that should be a prerequisite to, 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 to disclose it to the customer before you use the, the data for anything. And then um, I think one thing that uh, also has to be put in place is to continue driving legal action against organizations that are found to uh, be failing. So remember, if we continue to fail in terms of protecting customer information, it's also affecting the customer's willingness to contribute towards these systems. The systems build economies, they build jobs and things like that. And if they're not done very well, um, the, the impact of it is undesirable to, 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 to different um, areas of different economies. Now, what you just mentioned, it I almost like my previous question was hinting at that ethics side of it as well, right? Because one is that you do not even allow an explicit opt-in and opt-out. That those That's a big problem. You already endorsed that. Then second is once we did get the data, what all we end up using it for? That itself is questionable. Or at least we have a perception out there that the data that was collected by any entity which was trying to use it to you know, feed into an AI model and get some results, the, the ethics is questionable. So how do we, because this, this, this discussion today is not about you know, getting on a soapbox and telling what the problems are, but instead it's about how do we fix these problems? How do we prevent these problems? What's your response to that? So the first thing is having governance from the beginning of the process, including to why you want this type of data, because uh, the strategy doesn't begin with collecting data. It begins with what you want to do with the data, and then you go collect the data. So there has to be clear governance. Then organizations have to drive governance on the type of information they collect. And this is important at an earlier stage of the strategy in making sure that after you've defined your problem, you must also, as part of your governance, make sure that there is accountability on collecting information that is not, um, does not interfere with, with, with the privacy of the customers. Then we have stages where um, uh, there's been misuse of of, of customers' information. So, for example, uh, a customer willingly gives information to um, a, a company, and then through the company has maybe a partnership um, with another organization, and they end up sharing information without the customer's uh, knowledge. In these cases, uh, there has to be um, 
to go to a level where there is actually legislation and accountability at that level so that organizations must learn that um, the, the, the misuse of customer information is not just a tick box thing. It actually goes beyond uh, certain lives. So the governance is important. Legislation and holding people accountable at each level of the value chain is important to making sure that we prevent this from happening. And I think we've seen cases where people have gone to jail. Um, I think uh, Cambridge Analytica was a very good example of where the misuse of data led to actually the whole company closing down. But that was too late. We have to make sure this is done upfront. Now, what what you just said definitely will help in certain way to uh, not necessarily police, but your your response talks a lot about this is what they should do. But people don't do what you expect. People do what you inspect. Could there be an inspection mechanism put in place so these things? Because wrongdoers would have a tendency to keep doing wrong if nobody catches them or checks on them. How do we fix this issue? What what policing do we need? So as part of transparency governance, um, there has to be peer transparency, including legislation access to these systems and to the, to the processes around data collection or how information is being used. And it has to be independent of organizations. A sort of an audit, but specifically aimed at protecting customers. Um, when a when when a transparency process is 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 um, separate from an organization or is it it's independent from what is being done, it makes it easier for organizations to comply. But also, this is not just a usual legislation. Remember, uh, the development of AI and you know data strategies is an ongoing process. So having independent regulators or independent validators has to be part of the journey of what is being done because um, you don't, it doesn't help to find out something later when it would have actually been prevented. Uh, so that is one of, of, of the issues. But also, I think there has to be uh, heft, hefty penalties for those who are found out to have broken the rules to send a message. In fact, we, it has to be as high as the cost of it being higher than the value that would have been obtained from the AI system. Uh, I, I like the example of the Boeing 737. I think when you look at the failures in AI, even though it's not really um, a customer privacy issue, the nature of the fines as well as the punishment gives a message that people should not rush into these things. Cambridge Analytica is another example where the whole company was closed. It sends a message to help protect the customer. All right. So with that said, uh, the next question would be the bias, which, you know, people have come to realize that there is a bias created. Is the system inherently learning in a way that it creates a bias or is it being um, a conscious malintent on behalf of the people who created models? Or even they themselves subconsciously created an algorithm which created bias. So first of all, before we start doing the finger pointing, what do we, how do we first know if the system is free from bias? And secondly, if we do find out if it is having some bias, how do we trace it back to the source and how do we fix it so we are not living with the system? Because we'll never be able to trust it if we know that it's biased. And maybe we have to cut things at the source so that if we fix it, it doesn't recur. How do we solve this? How do we crack this problem? So biases can be very deceptive. And uh, one way we learn from bias about biases is one through validation where the expected outcomes um, are not the same to what was expected. So um, when you develop an algorithm or a system to behave in a certain way, you've done testing and you expect a certain result. Uh, 
and it doesn't come out that way. But there have been failures of identifying biases because remember people assess and see results the way they see them. Sometimes it's important for organizations to even um, assess the outcomes externally and not just depend on internal um, uh, assessments. An example will be uh, the algorithms which Cambridge built around assessing perception or measuring perception around certain you know, political parties, it might have been mathematically correct. It might have been statistically, procedurally correct, you know, but it goes beyond that because certain elements of those outcomes, like how the subjects or the data owners have perceived those decisions have to be measured end to end. But you see, that is an outcome. Now, let's go back to identifying the root cause. Um, a lot of time we talk about data biases, which basically tell you that the, the information was inconsistent or it was different from what actually happened. And therefore, when it goes into an algorithm, it affects the outcome. The outcome ends up being different. But it's beyond that. So the example of 737, will tell you, will show us that a wrong strategy or a rushed strategy can lead to bias at a data level. Therefore, at a strategic level, it's important that there is a clear understanding of, first of all, why you're entering into that strategy of using AI. So 737 was perfect, it was a good AI strategy. But if you rush it, you'll end up collecting information that is not complete and would lead to bias and system failure. Then if still at a strategic level, you must embark on a project that is ethical and you get buy-in from society and yourself. So I don't know if you've heard about uh, Project Marvin, which was an initiative to harness AI for better targeted drone strikes. Um, a few Google employees felt that the project was not ethical because drone strikes is against what they believed in. And if you don't have buy-in from the whole organization, you might find that the, the, the partial commitment might lead to problems to, in the, towards the value chain at some stage, which would lead to biases. Then let's talk about data biases, you know, which could also result from strategic failures, but also just from poor information governance. And if you don't govern information, it might change from system to system. The meaning of meaningfulness of that information changes from A to B. So it's important that organizations have proper data and information governance procedures to making sure the quality of the data remains the same, um, to making sure that uh, the inform everyone in the value chain understands the meaningful, mean, the meaning every data point that is being used. But on top of that, in the value chain, everyone must understand what information must not be, must not be used because a, a variable could be very predictive, but it goes against the ethical aspects of a society or customers. But still at a data stage, you might realize that maybe it's not the right time to embark on an AI project because um, the information itself is just not ready. Maybe an organization needs to embark on a journey to just collect information so that you can have sufficient information to embark on a strategy. Then it leads us to the next type of bias, which is the algorithmic bias. And this is where diversity comes in place, diversity of understanding a problem you're solving. Remember, you solve a problem the way you understand it. If data scientists do not have a diverse understanding of the problem, they're based on different backgrounds, uh, exposure to various types of algorithms, they will end up doing things the way they perceive them and see them. So this helps to prevent the use of wrong algorithms just because the analysts knew it. And then obviously there has to be independent validation of the outcomes if, if the data is complete and the algorithms are, have been uh, used correctly. There has to be independent validation to making sure that um, not just different people are testing the algorithms, 
but the algorithms are being assessed on independent data sets, not on the data sets that were used to build the model because they're going to give you the same outcomes. Then there's bias that results from the use, misuse or implementation on wrong technologies. So, and this happens when you've built an algorithm with a hundred variables, then when you try to implement them, you find that you've used a system or a platform that can only accommodate 80 of the 100 that were used initially. This results to forcing to use the algorithm because obviously there is pressure from organizations to deliver. And uh, because of that, you end up getting outcomes that were not expected. Then think of uh, now the execution. And we've, we've had uh, situations where uh, people in certain communities, even though everything is well, there's certain things they respect about, about themselves that are beyond the science. Uh, earlier on, I gave an example of, for example, in Africa, there's some communities who do not want to be told that they're pregnant or the gender of the baby. And there has to be smarter ways of communicating that. So instead of you know calling someone and saying, listen, um, we predicted you're pregnant, you know, could you buy this and stuff like that? You could rather just have a blank marketing message to direct them, you know, to shops or or use the facilities to, to make those purchases. I think in China, uh, if you market a product to someone, you must start pronouncing their surname first, followed by their, their name, like the President Xi Jinping. Uh, if you swap those names, it could break the deal. And that is the execution bias. And you see all these um, stages have the same implication to bias, uh, whether the incompleteness of data, whether it's a wrong strategy, uh, whether it's a wrong implementation of, of, or through the wrong system, or whether it's a wrong execution, organizations need to govern all these stages critically because they could have dire consequences. So just not just reputational issues, but um, also in cases like, you know, uh, self-driving cars, they could result to, you know, loss of life. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back after these messages. And then let's talk about the, the openness that we need to be able to uh, have a customer scrutinize if suppose their data was utilized or the model was used on them, then they should be able to go back and look at the algorithms, the attributes, the correlations, and whatever data was collected from them, everything available for scrutiny by the customers so that they can feel that this system is trustworthy and we totally understand that how is it using data and making decisions. How can we enable this? Because there are so many chefs cooking the broth. The users end up always feeling they're the dark and as a result, the trust uh, is not, the trust factor is not achieved. What can we do about it? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and discuss. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Mark, when we are looking at algorithms, the attributes, the correlations, are they truly open to scrutiny for the customers to know how the AI systems that are being utilized for them 
are on them, what is the kind of data that is being used, how those systems are making decisions. So, so typically it is a black box for the customers. How can we make it a white box or an open box? So the first um, two things is to making sure that the whole process is transparent and it's explainable. Um, and transparent starts with what you're trying to do with the data, how the data is being used, and actually how the AI is making decisions, including opening up these algorithms, data, and for inspection, uh, independently from regulators, you know, um, and, 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 and auditors. So there have been a lot of cases, for example, where uh, people are being discriminated because of race, for example, from a credit perspective. Um, there have been a perception where, for example, even just through image recognition, uh, people of color were being classified as animals. Um, there have been cases where um, certain uh, group of people based on race might have appeared um, to being declined, for example, credit or being um, marketed uh, or offered products that are not in line with their needs. And there's some algorithms or even uh, data points that could lead to that and which might not necessarily be the race itself. And uh, this could be, for example, the area you stay uh, could have correlated to a lot of people who live there defaulting it doesn't necessarily mean that if you are living there, you could default. And so as much as uh, people developing AI must, would not pick this up because they're following a procedure, there has to be a bit of scrutiny on how do you balance out um, this information so that uh, certain types of information, even though not correlated to race directly, might lead to a certain group of people being discriminated against. Um, there's cases where, for example, the, the US court systems um, uh, face issues uh, by using AI system that might appear to even giving uh, you know, people of color longer sentences or easily finding them to, um, to, 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 be, to be more guilty of the same offense that another uh, person would have not uh, been guilty of. So the first thing is the black box approach has to stop. And this has to be part of uh, any um, adoption of AI. With organizations and uh, legislations, regulatory bodies must first of all understand what type of information is being used in these algorithms. The second part is the weightings. So you could have an, uh, an algorithm that uses uh, 10 variables or even 20, but the distribution of weightings must be explainable to the customer. For example, if you market a, uh, a credit product or you want to offer a customer a house, you're telling them, um, first of all, you know, our algorithms are telling us, you, um, based on your data, you can afford this uh, property at this interest rate and maybe at this location. So the drivers of the, those outcomes of those algorithms must be explained to the customer. They must understand how, what type of data was used to get to a certain interest rate. Um, the second part is, uh, is avoiding algorithms that generalize. I think we're at a stage where there's so much computing power, there's so much uh, data and just at a customer level. Organizations, if they are keen to drive AI strategies, they must be willing to invest in you know, supercomputers that build individual type models or algorithms at a customer level or at an individual level so that you do not get discounted or biased because you are grouped with certain type of people. Uh, traditionally, algorithms found it difficult because you had to be generalized, you know, 
people at a certain age category were behaving like this, or people from a specific area were behaving like this. That things like that um, are lead to algorithms generalizing and in affecting the outcomes of models. So the journey should be getting to a stage where you build AI models that drive individual outcomes based on individual behaviors and not generalize it. Now, with that said, uh, when we are looking at the possibility of people utilizing uh, AI in organization, all of that is, you know, as an individual or a human, we can understand it. But then within a company, what you could do so that in terms of like the structure and the policies, so that whosoever is working on the AI systems, there is one throat to choke or one someone who's taking responsibility for the decisions that are uh, we, we, we take out of the AI system. What should we do about that? The organizational structure and the policies. So organizations need to put in place policies that clearly outline who is responsible and who's accountable for what in the value chain of the AI. And this is not just, you know, starting to talk about technology, the technology did not do this. I think uh, I mentioned earlier, the, the failures we see in these systems result from human decisions. And therefore we have to make sure that organization learn that they have to get the right skills and to drive different accountabilities. They have to get the right people to out, at, articulate and identify the right opportunities for, uh, for AI. It, there's not every opportunity requires AI. So if those people make failures, they should be held accountable. They should even be legally held ac- accountable for miscalculations uh, or wrong outcomes then we, you need to have the right people accountable for building algorithms. Uh, we're living at a stage where machine learning and AI is living on a high level and everyone wants to put their hands on data and uh, everyone wants to become a data scientist. And this brings out the problem. You know, uh, I believe uh, data scientists, um, experts in AI are just like medical practitioners. So think about putting your life on someone and that person must be qualified to do so. Then things like information governance, they must be clear accountability. Also, um, there's different types of AI. You've got weak AI, which means that if things fail, um, the consequences are a bit lower, the cost is a bit lower and maybe you know, it will just result into reputational damage. But think about 737, you know. Um, if you don't have clear accountability, people could lose lives. Um, think about disease diagnosis. You know, if you have an AI system that, you know, misdiagnoses people and they end up being given wrong treatment, you could lead to loss of life. And this is where... Um, you know, there has to be combined of regulation and legislation so that um, not just organizations must be held liable of the outcomes, but also individuals uh, who could be held liable at a criminal level. So, you know, if you look at organizations that have had failures in systems because of wrong strategies, sometimes people get away with wrong strategies. You know, they you know, make decisions that business lose money. But now when they make it, taking all these decisions and putting them on machines, they must not blame the machine. Yet they're the ones who transferred uh, their weaknesses or incompetencies uh, to, you know, to, 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 to a machine. And therefore we need to include laws and regulations in making sure we drive trust with the AI, uh, putting in legal legislation, to be able to even compensate uh, the victims of these bad decisions. And as part of, um, uh, of explainable and openness, uh, organizations must make transparent who are the people 
involved in different stages of AI development. They must make it. They must make them because um, the failures resulting from uh, poor decision making and incompetencies are equal to the failures that result to you know poor data sets and uh, poor management and poor systems and things like that. All right. So, um, what governance do you think we should put in place to ensure not just one time we fix things, but it produces consistent results and everything is done in a consistent manner? So, I believe there's various governance uh, processes that need to work together. So, and this is to cover for mishaps that might result at any stage. And the first one I believe is a strategic governance. And this strategic governance is to assess uh, the uh, relevance of whether you should embark on an AI strategy, including readiness, because you could have the right use case, you could have the right uh, business opportunity, but you might not be ready. You may not be ready because maybe you don't have the right people, the right skills. Maybe you don't have the right systems, the right data. So you have to be ready to embark. And this is part of uh, 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 strategic governance to making sure that you have you are ready for a strategy, you have the right strategy to making sure that you can take on that journey. The second one is um, data and information governance. And this is making sure that you put in place principles, policies, and processes that monitor data, monitor quality, completeness, as well as um, relevance of data, including monitoring data in relation to privacy. And this has to be continuous and part of um, a, a key indicator towards what type of information should be used Incomplete information cannot be used in an algorithm or you cannot be having, you know, uh, missing data or in data changing when it's being moved from one uh, warehouse to the other. And also including who's accessing what data, at what point in time do they have a right to access it. So this is data and information governance. So organizations have to put in place a proper controls. In, in, in data strategies, we call these defensive data strategies, you know, protecting the value of the information. Then we do need to have uh, advanced analytics technical governance or you know, statistical technical governance to making sure that um, you have the right people building algorithms, people who are qualified. The world is very short of you know, machine learning and statistical scientists. It's unbelievable how very many algorithms are being built and whether they are fit for purpose, including having diverse teams. So it's not just about the mathematical robustness, but also about um, other aspects uh, of teams building that have been given the responsibility of, of, of building these models, contributing towards biases in these algorithms and data points. Then there has to be governance around technology and platforms that are being used to implement um, these technologies, these algorithms. First of all, they must be fit for purpose, but also as part of this governance is to making sure that the results do not change because a certain technology was adopted. Also, this an element of sometimes organizations wanting to buy black box AI. You know, you buy an algorithm that was built in another country or you buy an algorithm that was built somewhere else. If it's fit for purpose and it's okay, that's perfect. But you have to go through the right governance and make sure you assess the outcomes um, statistically, um, including if you're buying a black box, uh, the vendor should be able to explain uh, what the AI is doing, you know, the outcomes, how, what type of data is required, uh, what is complete data. Uh, different countries have different data. 
you know, I've seen um, chatbots being trained in a different country and being applied in a different country, and it leads it leads to pronunciation of you know names and cities very wrong. You know, if if you guys have traveled, you've you'll have you know gone to uh, a country where you got a car and the navigation system pronounces the basic you know language correctly, but when it comes to names of streets, it gets it so wrong. And this is some of the things that have to be held accountable at a technology uh, uh, level. Then we've got the execution governance. Who talks to the customer? Who, uh, what engagement, what type of engagement should be done with a customer or the, the, the subject of uh, the AI? And what context should be built around the outcome of the AI system? If it's marketing, what context should be added and who should add it? Um, I talked about, you know, the mispronunciation of names and um, things like that. Then you need to have an overarching governance to making sure that there is a relationship between these different governance processes because they have to be dependent on each other. There is no need of going along with the process when uh, requirements of the first stage have not been met. So you need an overarching governance, including allowing this, uh, uh, the, all these governance processes uh, to be made available to external uh, regulators or auditors whom can have access to the system whenever to be able to, um, to, to, to assess reliability or any potential risks that might come uh, with uh, being on this AI strategy. Thank you so much again, uh, Mark, for taking the time to discuss with us what would it take to make AI trustworthy, how policymakers, commercial organizations, and academia can team up and allow AI to create most value while instilling trust in the very AI systems we end up using. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And listeners, uh, hope you enjoyed, got some value out of this conversation. Please connect us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Pinterest, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as all other major channels where you listen to the various podcasts. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog All, your host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.